All right, so this is the inaugural episode of the Inking Out Loud podcast. Uh, I, I like am... the way you put that. That makes me feel really good. Oh, go yeah. on, go yeah. on. Uh, I'm Drew McCaffrey. I'm one of the co-hosts. I'm Rob Santos. I'm a longtime friend of Drew's for, what, like nine, ten years now? Something like that? Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been it a long has... time. Amazingly, already. <laughs> and Jared Livingston. Yeah. I've known Drew since first grade. Yeah, so Jared's our special wow. guest for, for the, the first book. Exactly. He'll probably be a recurring guest. Sure, sure. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. I've heard lots about you, Jared. Sounds like you're some good people. <laughs> I'm uh, sure it's all What awesome. are we talking about today? We're talking about Elantris. We're talking about Elantris. Aren't we? We're talking so, about the very Kicking first... it off with Brandon Sanderson. I like it. Yeah. Um, and, and so Rob and I have both read Elantris before, although uh, it mm. has been some time for me. I, I read it first back in like 2007, and then I read it again maybe like three or four years ago. Yeah, um, I so didn't read it until like 2010, probably like that. Um, my first experience with Sanderson was his Mistborn trilogy. After I heard that he was completing the Wheel of Time, I was like, Brandon Sanderson, who is this guy? I'm going to check his stuff out, right? It wasn't until after Mistborn that I read uh, the entire trilogy that I read Elantris. Um, it's probably the Cosmere book, as far as his entire universe goes, that I've read the least. Elantris? Um, yeah, yeah, but I've still read it probably through over these past... I don't know, eight years now. I've probably read it through five, six times. Um, I've listened to it on audiobook a couple more times. Um, but it's been just like Drew. It's, for me, it's been, I think, about three years since I read that book last. So I'm going to be a little hazy on all the details. Um, Jared, I very much apologize if I accidentally spoil something for you. There's a good chance that that's going to happen today. I'm mentally prepared for that. But you've uh, you've made it through, from what I understand, the first half? I've Through part one. Through yes. part one. Okay, so that's chapter 27, if I... Yep. Okay, yeah. good, because I, so, I at least looked it up last night, yeah. So obviously, what we're going to be discussing today, there will be spoilers for uh, part one of Elantris. Yes, um, there will be. There there may be uh, some small spoilers that come in regarding uh, the rest of the Cosmere. Probably not, like, plot points, but right. just sort of world-building things, uh, realmatics, and how Brandon Sanderson's, you know, uh, dwarf galaxy here works. So we're yeah. not like holding yeah. back. I can bring forth my knowledge, my Cosmere knowledge, without worrying. So how about much? Spoiling. How much of the Cosmere have you read, Jared? Is it like um, there hasn't just been a Launchress? A it? lot of it. A lot. Of so okay. Stormlight and Mistborn and good, Warbreaker. Good. Yeah, um, you've read you've read everything else, right? You've you've done White Sand. You've done the I've pros. Done White Sand. See, I haven't done White Sand. That's the one I still have to get to. I've only finished like the first, I want to say five chapters of that book about ten times. I just I haven't gotten into it. I haven't had a chance to sit down because I have that one on my phone. So I've been trying to read that one, but it's hard on the little screen. I've I've been through the, the beginning of that book at least a half dozen times. But you've got me beat there. I haven't. I think the only in. non. I think this. <laughs> Elantris and then Emperor's Soul um, in Arcanum, mm. I have not read. Okay. So. Arcanum. Okay. And Emperor's Soul? Correct. Okay. So that's I have good not to keep read in that mind. either. Because we have, like, Emperor's Soul takes place on Cell, which is the same planet yep. upon which the entire events of Elantris take place. So, um, I ha I, while I was doing my reread, at least the first 10 chapters, I, I wrote down a lot of thoughts. Um, is there anything in particular you want to get out first um, as far as the book in question? Yeah, um, I kind of want to uh, touch on the fact that this is Brandon Sanderson's first published book. Yeah, and, uh, and, it, and it reads like it. It definitely reads yeah, like it. It does. There, there are some things, uh, you know, it's pretty uh, common criticism that people say this book isn't paced very well. Um, right. The right. Sanderson Avalanche. The Sanderson Avalanche, yeah, I was waiting to get to that. Is a little awkward in this one where the, the kind of the pacing arc is very flat and slowly ramps up and then it just absolutely goes bonkers yeah. in the last it, 120 yeah. pages or so um very typical of his style but definitely pronounced in this book in his first book it's very yeah, it's very politically focused from what i have gathered thus mm -hmm. far. yeah 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 so and, and again like pretty much every sanderson book religion is a big deal in it right how right. how religions interact with uh you know cultures and how religion changes people and how people interact with foreign religions and things like that. And I actually think this book is his best in that regard because really? it is, it's the one where religion is closest to his characters, especially. Yeah, Rathen. I can accept that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm I love Rathen. I think he oh, is one of his was, best characters. I was waiting to bring up him because that guy has got to be one of my favorite characters in epic fantasy just solely on the fact that he is just such a badass isn't yeah. he he's just such a badass he doesn't give a shit pardon my french we can censor that out later <laughs> but his whole like you can really see like his dedication to his cause and of course hit the conscience that weighs upon him and stuff like that his just just his whole um how else would you put it his whole I don't want to say silhouette, his whole demeanor, his whole atmosphere. He's a very, very confident, confident guy. And I've been listening to the audiobook again, just to brush up a little bit. And uh, Jack Garrett, who narrates the audiobook, does a really good job with Wraith. And he does a, a very deep kind of forceful, <laughs> commanding voice for him. And it's just, it's really, really, really something to listen to. So uh, on, on that note of like kind of Prathen's, uh personality and forceful demeanor... Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I highlighted one line. It's on page three sixty four of my. It, well, let's see if it's the same line that I wrote down. I bet you it might be. Um, and and so it's it after not. he runs into the beggar. Yep. Outside the walls of Elantris, and he and he gives him you know money, and then he gives mm -hmm. him another uh, bag of coins for the rest of the beggars, and and uh, the guy says thank you, good sir, and Rathen replies thank Jadath. And he yeah. says, who is Jadeth, good sir? And Prathen bowed his head. You'll know soon enough, old man. One way or another, <laughs> you'll know. And yeah. That's so foreboding. I love it. Well, but the interesting thing is, in the context of this, the tone that he uses there is so sad and regretful. Because yeah. this, is, this is where he's realizing, I've made a mistake here, and the things that I've put in motion are going to end horribly. Whereas Bruh. if he had said that in chapter five instead of in chapter twenty-five, it would have been foreboding and brooding True. and strong and evil. True. But in this sense, he feels more like a broken you man. You can feel you can feel the pity a and, little bit. And, and that's one. like the pacing for the the plot is a little yep. awkward in this, but as I'm reading through this time, I'm realizing the pacing is actually done really well with the character development. Yeah. There's a there's a smooth arc and it is actually pretty quick how you know how these changes affect and not just with Rathen but with Serini and Rayodan too. Yeah. Um they while they're not doing much uh Rayodan more so than the others, but they are changing quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's so. definitely uh, there's definitely a um how do I want to put this? An impending dynamic. I suppose. Um, I want to just draw aside real quickly and say that we are going to be pronouncing a lot of these names very differently to begin with. Oh, yeah. Um, it's the nature of epic fantasy, right? Like, have them. you, like, I'm mostly myself going off the way that the uh, audiobook narrator is pronouncing it, but, like, the first five or six read-throughs I did just, just by reading. It wasn't until the last couple times that I was listening to the audiobook. Um, on the subject of Wraithen, though, there's a line that is a really good line that he had right near the beginning. Um, it was right when Delaf, who I want to have a whole conversation about oh after, gosh, by the yeah. way. There's a moment where Delaf gets to read um, Wyrn's orders for Wraithen. And when he realizes what he's holding, um, Wraithen tells him, let's see if I can find it right here. Yes, this isn't just a letter. It is scripture. Mm -hmm. And that one really stuck out to me too, because you can you again you get this feeling for just how much Rathen really really believes in what he's doing, and he really believes that he has some holy mandate to try and save these people. It's not just some sort of sadistic grab for power. He's actually no. in his mind, in his own way, he's trying to do what he believes is save these people. He's he, his only remaining direction in life is his servitude to Shudareth. Yeah, and and that yeah. becomes an issue for him as we get closer to the end of part one, and yeah. you know where he starts realizing, I'm sort of moving solely on momentum. I don't really care about this anymore. I don't have faith or passion. I'm just holding on to this lifeline of yeah. servitude and and order and dare I say dominion. In yeah. uh, <laughs> nicely done, nicely done. In I see wow, what you did there. Wow. In his yeah, religion. Jared knows what he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so for, for those who may or may not be aware, uh, in the Cosmere, Dominion is a shard of Adenalcium and yes. uh, is one of the two shards uh, who took up uh, presence on Cell. Um, yeah. They don't they yeah. don't play a very large role in this book. The, the biggest um, sort of impact they have is in the two main religions, in Shu'Dareth and Shu'Korath, yeah. uh, where 
Shudareth is uh, uh, all about dominion, and Shukorath is all about devotion, which is the other shard. Do we do we know that like specifically, or do we just suspect that though? No, we we definitely know that. It, there are do a couple we? of points uh, where they talk about um, it, the theology because Shu of the uh, two. not Shukorath. Shukese, they talk about I uh, so the there's Shukese, right? which yeah, is okay. the the parent, and it's all about yeah. unity. And then, uh, and then there are the two splinter religions, and one is unity through love, and the other is unity through servitude. Okay, okay. Hold and on, so it's devotion it. and dominion. Okay, so here's an interesting thought, and something I hadn't even thought to ask about before. Um, we know for a fact that the planet existed before the arrival of devotion and dominion. Um, do we know roughly when, though, the, the religion Shu Kesig splintered into Shu Korath and Shu... Uh, oh my god, I'm drawing a blank on the last one. Um, Shudareth? Yeah. Um, like, could, do you think Shukorath could be an actual representation... Not Shukorath, sorry, Shukeseg, the parent religion. Could have been Adonalsium itself? Could that predate the Shattering, do you think? It, it wouldn't surprise me, honestly. It makes sense, though, the idea of unity, you know, like... Unity, that's, that's what makes me think of it, unity. So if those two shards were still one, right? Because we know for a fact there was... Um, I mean, there were... There are religions still lingering in the Cosmere as a whole that worship Adonalsium as a whole yes. rather than the individual shards after they were uh, splintered um, or shattered, I should say. In this case, that's a very shattered. fine distinction that we make there, right? When we're talking about Adonalsium, we're talking about shattering. And with the rest of the splinters who, upon after that, get broken down more, we're talking about splintering, right? Now that's are, a very fine distinction. Are Sion splinters then? Sion's are splinters. Yeah, Sion's are splinters, yeah. Um, but the best they were splintered, uh, I believe, you know, I'd have to double check the words of Brandon on this one, but I believe uh, Sion's were splintered before uh, Odium arrived and, and did his stuff. Oh. Um, so one thing, actually, so on, on that subject, I just want to get this out of the way. Sure. There's a common misconception among Cosmere fans that the chasm um, is, so, so we know that the chasm happened, there was this great earthquake. Yeah, and, and that same night, Elantris lost, you know, power. Yeah, they they fell from grace. Yeah, um, there's a common misconception among Cosmere fans that the chasm happened when Odium splintered Devotion. Right. But if you if you think about how Aeon Door works and and why the magic on Cell works the way it does, because Odium splintered Devotion and Dominion and stuffed all of that investiture, the power into that the made up those into shards, the cognitive realm, yes, into the cognitive realm, and yeah, so because yeah. the cognitive realm has actual locations, the the locations, the geographic areas of Cell are almost becoming sentient, and the magics are tied to those areas. Yeah, and we already know that Elantrians were using Aeon Door before the chasm and Aeondor was already tied to locations. Yeah. So the, the splintering of devotion and dominion was way, way, way before the chasm was made. Oh yeah. The chasm was made 10 years before the start of the narrative. Exactly. Like, but there, there, there's a lot of misconceptions with that where a lot of people I've seen online talking about it and, and assume that the chasm happened as a result. Yeah. You know, there's also that assumption with, you know, we'll, we'll very lightly on this, but the Stormlight Archive with the Shattered Plains, there's sort mm. of an assumption that that happened with the splintering of another shard there, which we don't know. Well, we don't know. I mean, it could have been involved with us <laughs> death. It could be, or death, I should say. Oh no, he's you know he's dead. Yes, Tannabas is dead. Yes. Well, so I think I think we should avoid spoilers for Stormlight while we're discussing okay. a lot. Okay. Stuff. No, no, no. Good, good. Yeah. Um, we were talking about Sions, and there was a thought that I had written down yeah. about Sions. Um. Uh, when okay, so when Kyine first rec like when he first recognizes Serene, um, at the very beginning of, of the book, um, she didn't know who he is at first because he's he's lacking the beard apparently that he had back mm -hmm. in his day. Um but one thing that she said to Aishi, her Sion, really, really stuck out to me. She asked him, Do you recognize him? And Aishi said, He looks familiar, then he apologizes and says, My memory isn't what it used to be. Yeah. What do we think that Aishi means as a splinter of devotion by my memory isn't what it used to be? Because we know, for example, uh, drawing back to Stormlight for a quick second, that um, Spring lose a lot of their mental faculties when they make the transition between different realms. We've seen the same thing with the Returned on Nalthus. So what do we think that that could, could that mean anything? He says, my memory isn't what it used to be. So I feel like it has to be connected to the Riode. Um, okay. Oh yeah, fair. 
you know, because he still is built around an Aeon, and and it's incomplete, you know. Well, yeah, well, you know, we we won't you know go all the way into go that too much stuff for that. for later later books, but like you know, the the Aeons don't work anymore. They don't fully work, you know. Yeah. And and you know that's that's a big mystery in this part of the book is that Rayodan kind of is realizing. It's a good thing you that. said that because I was about to continue with that exact line of thought. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Good. Okay, yeah. yeah wait, wait, Jared, wait, wait, wait. Jared has not has not yeah. finished the book yet. So yeah, I have yeah. So good, good. So and I was looking up to up to the point at which chapter twenty seven ended. I want to know okay, where exactly does chapter twenty seven end? I looked up a chapter summary and I was told, or at least I was told, I read that it ends. Actually, you know, maybe I should just straight up ask Jared, what was the last thing that happened in, 20, in chapter 27? ingested his own poison. Good. Okay, I was going to say he ingested his own poison. All right. All right. So everything that's happened up to there is uh, we can definitely discuss at length. So, so and like I'm going to crack the, open another the one, by the way. Continue. plot points that are like Serini is taking all of the nobles into Elantris and giving out food. Yep, she's doing her... Is she still on her widow's trial at this point? Is this still like what she's... Okay, what she's operating under? Okay. And then, and then Rayoden is... Cleaning up Elantris. The last thing yep. he did was taking um, a certain character who also appears in Oathbringer uh, to Devosinj. Oh. And. Wait, 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 wait. Giving wait, him wait, the wait, sweet wait. release. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That has what to do with Stormlight? I didn't know I, that scene had anything to do with Stormlight. There's there's a link there? So the, the guy that he put in? Yeah. Ryano, the fortune teller. No freaking way. Are you serious? How do we know that? Was that a words of Brandon? Mm-hmm. Oh, my I, God. I mean, we, we already knew, like, in, in Oathbringer, it's pretty clear that he's an Elantrian. He says oh, yeah, we could tell Domai he was an Elantrian. He says Merciful Domai. Yeah. And, yeah. That. But yes. Uh, yes. Oh, was... you learn something new every day. I didn't know this. Oh, my God. I just got I just got really excited. Okay, cool. See, this is why we like discussing this kind of thing. These these short uh, discoveries afterwards, these short revelations that kind of just click or someone tells you something later and you're like, oh, my God, I didn't draw that connection before. That's yeah. exactly why everybody loves these books. as much certainly as they going, in, going in. It's helped me a little bit going into this with Cosmere knowledge, knowing, yeah. oh, hey, this is a mysterious pool in the mountain. Like, <laughs> let me guess what's going on here. Yeah, I'll have to admit, like, the first two or three times I read the book, I had no idea what was going on during that scene. Right, I had right. zero clue. I had zero clue. I wasn't even aware of the Cosmere at large until probably The Way of Kings in 2010. Oh, wow. That's when I started to realize, oh, wait, hold on, I'm getting a phone call here. Decline. Um, that was a Toronto number. Weird. Anyway, yeah, it was about <laughs> 2010, 2011, and then Alloy of Law came out shortly after that, and I was like, oh, okay, so... I mean, I, I had heard that it was connected, but he's actually making it obvious now. Um, but yeah, I can just imagine reading that for the first time and knowing right away, oh, some sort of mysterious glowing bluish pool, you know? I wonder what's going on there. So, so right, in regards right. to that scene, I actually, uh, another thing I highlighted, uh, when they're going through the, the little temple, the, the clean temple, where there, there are no aeons and everything's run by like gears and doors and they have lanterns right. and stuff... Um, there's a mural on the wall. Oh, yeah. I, I think I wanted to talk about this, too. Is this the one and, where they're so, diving in? Yeah, so it's, an Elantrian stood facing the oval, his arms outstretched and his eyes closed. He appeared to be flying toward the blue disc. The rest of the wall was black, though there was a large white sphere on the other side of the oval. So, obviously, the blue oval is, is Devotion Shardpool. And we yeah. know now that it is a perpendicularity. This is how yeah. people transition between the realms and how they can world hop. The white sphere. Wait, um, what the heck is the large white sphere on the other side of the oval? And um, I actually think so. There is a word of Brandon out there that there is something that nobody has figured out yet in Elantris that is a big deal for the Cosmere. What? And I wonder if this white sphere is that. Okay. Because the mural, everybody concentrates on the blue oval. It's obvious. It's the perpendicularity. It's the sharp. Yeah. Yeah. But what is this white sphere on the other side? See, I haven't heard this. I, I hadn't concentrated on this specific scene. I don't remember the white sphere coming into description at all. But immediately I had an idea. I mean, we know that the, the shard pool is a perpendicularity. It grants access to the cognitive realm at this point in narrative, which is very dangerous in the yes. cognitive realm with the door running wild. But couldn't that pro like perhaps be the white kind of sun that's in the distance in the cognitive realm that everybody sees when they transition? 
because there is a highway of clouds, if you will, that leads well, to that's, a white that's sun. In, that is in Roshar's. I'm. Isn't that in uh, all of the, on all of uh, the cognitive realm, or is that? Is, are you sure that's just uh, in Shadesmar? I know it's definitely in in Roshar's. Oh, definitely. I would have to reread Secret History. I don't recall if it was in Secret History or That's not. a good point. I'm starting to doubt if I read it in anything else besides Shadesmar specifically. But, okay, I mean, no, I was going to ask... Something to do with the mechanics of world hopping, I guess. Yeah, but it, it, that's... So that's the cool thing. It's like, what is it? What is yeah. that hint, you know? Yeah. That could be something that Brandon, like, 15 years ago, put <laughs> when he put down, and he still hasn't explained it, right? Oh, for sure. That's awesome. And I'm sure and, there's and plenty almost, more of those. It makes me wonder if this is something that's going to come into play in the Elantra sequels, which he has talked about he needs to write before yeah. the back half of Stormlight and the uh, Mistborn Era 3. You see, I missed that specific bit of knowledge until just recently, so I was getting very, very frustrated with Brandon Sanderson lately. I was like, where is this goddamn Elantris, Elantris sequel? Where is it going? Because you've put it off like eight times in a row now. You can read State of the Sanderson from like 2011, 2012. I don't know sure if he was doing it quite that early, but it's like he says right in there, he's waiting for he's waiting for the right moment to do an Elantris sequel. And every time I finished the audiobook when I was welding, because I, I listen to audiobooks primarily when I'm working, um, that's the only way I can really read the books i have time to read the books at all nowadays but at the end of every single time i'd be like oh, okay i'm gonna go check and see if there's any news as to when he's gonna be finally getting around to writing these sequels because i really want to know what's happening in elantris 2 and elantris 3 yeah. um i was actually about to list what we know about those two but let's not do that until the second episode yes, here until yeah. we know exactly what's happened um for the rest of the book i would like to enjoy yeah. finishing this yeah, yeah. Let's finish. Let, let's 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 contain. Yeah, I'm. Can we again, talk about Rayodin and what we think of him? Yeah, yeah. Rayodin, good, good. Um, I don't, I've I don't like him. I don't like. You him. don't like Rayodin? Why not? He's a little. Go ahead. He's. Yeah, I don't like Rayodin or Serene. They both seem immature, and I have a hard... the main thing with Rayodin is I have a hard time believing that he's capable of all these leadership qualities that he's showing and pulling these people together and. Like merging these rival gangs, I don't know. It yeah. just doesn't seem yeah. to jive with me. I noticed an immediate parallel between him and a character who Brandon, I think, did a lot better with that kind of narrative, who was Kaladin Stormblessed. Right away, as soon as he's he's cast out as he's he's an outcast, right? He's uh, he he meets a whole bunch of other people who are also hopeless. He decides I'm going to band these people together. I'm going to try to show in, a, in some sort of act of defiance that we aren't broken yet. That we can still through just kind behavior and respect and honor especially honor we can just allow each other to thrive still we're not broken yet and that's something i think brandon did a lot better when he had more experience but you're absolutely right i was having these same kinds of thoughts with rayodin i'm like he sounds like he's had a quite easy life up to this point you know he's very very wealthy it's kind father. of like i describe it as flat yeah yeah and that's again to be expected you know, with kind with, of like someone you meet acting totally out of character yeah so he doesn't feel genuine? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Interesting, interesting, because we see a lot of, we, we read a lot from inside his head, and we can see that he's genuine. I never really got like a disingenuine kind of feel from him, but definitely just like you said, I like got one, kind of one-dimensional, too good with no possible really negative character drawbacks, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, what's his like... He doesn't really have any big flaws. He doesn't have, exactly. I can't, I, I, I say, still working to find a flaw. And I, can't. I have a hard time understanding where Brandon's going with his character development as in, I mean, what the end goal is. Sorry, what was that last one? I have a hard time believing where Brandon's going with his character development and what his end goal would be for oh. Rayodin. Yeah. Where, you know, like Serene's make a lot more sense to me and it's sort and her motivations Make a lot more sense. Rayodin's... Right. He's just kind of floating. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah. Especially I considering he's not aware of what's going on outside the city walls, right? A another this thing that I, I highlighted. Um, it was the scene where where Krathen has his sort of um, crisis of faith. And he pulls out the journal that he never uses. Yeah. And he says, I have found purpose, the book read. Before I lived, but I didn't know why. I have direction now. It gives glory to all that I do. I serve in Lord Jadith's empire, and my service is linked directly to him. I am important. And I wrote a note on this. And I said, okay. specifically the words, I am important. And I think at the core, importance 
is There's... a defining factor for all three of the characters. Serini is an outsider. She was an outsider originally in Teod. Mm -hmm. You know, she was the princess, yeah, yeah. but, you know, she was daughter. awkward. She wasn't yeah. desired. She wasn't respected. All I think of she's this super stuff. tall, right? That's and some, so uh, some she's major insecure, yep. but she's competent and she's thirsty to prove that she's important. Yeah. And then Rayodin, he is important by default as the prince, but doesn't feel like he needs to be important. Interesting. He so... denies his importance. I actually highlighted a line from Rayodin where he comes out and says this exactly. Or uh, he's talking to Galadin, and Galadin says, The newcomer, soul, you made them all think they are of vital importance, just like Marish. Shoes are nice, but not a matter of life and death. And then Rayodin says, People do a better job when they assume they're important. Yeah. Yeah. Self-importance nice I didn't, I didn't is an important one. thing in this, you know. And then, and then Prathen, of course, he does see himself as important. He knows he's important, but he finds himself losing his importance as yeah, Diloph takes nice. over the chapel. Terrifies so, him. So self-importance is a defining factor for all three of mm. these characters. And where Rayodin's struggle is, and where his change as a character, is him accepting his importance. Yeah. So Serini yeah. is seeking importance. Rayodin is denying importance. And Hrathen <laughs> is losing importance. Damn. And these are the defining character conflicts for Damn. the three main. Nicely caught. I didn't even I didn't even begin to catch that one. I, I see exactly where you're where you're going with that, though. That's a good point. Um since we're on the subject now of Dilaf, or we just were a second ago, let's talk about this guy. Right. Because I right off the bat, he was like there's something you feel a little off with him, right? Crazy. Right? That's fair to say. There's something not quite oh, right sure. with that with that one. Um He feels and something go oh, sorry, go on. So I was just going to say, it was like, it feels almost possessed at times. Yeah, he's got a very kind of bipolar, if that's what, I want to, what you want to call it, personality, sure. doesn't just he? Just manic. Not, not even manic, bipolar, yeah. just manic. Yeah, yeah, manic, yeah. Well, he's he's fervent. He's like, he's almost like rabid, you know, drooling at the mouth he's over the thought of what he's doing. Yeah, he's a true zealot, right? And as Raythan says, there's a lot to be respected about, you know, zealotry in a way, but it can really run away with you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, makes you wonder if he had some sort of problem in his past with that. But specifically about Dilaf that I wanted to talk about, um, oh, you know what? No, I don't want to say that because once again, that's an end of the book kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah, let's not okay, go there. Okay. All right, sorry, no, 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 let's sorry. let's scrap that. But I still want to get like what what you're feeling about Dilaf because well, he's a character that I don't personally like very much. I don't think a lot of people would like him no, to be yeah, honest. But I mean, dislike. narratively speaking, even as like even as just a a narrative object and what his use in the book is, I just I don't. Mm. Eh. I just, eh, that's about it. That's that's all I have to say about Dilaf is, eh, until at least we finish the book, and then I get to say exactly what I think. But <laughs> The main problem then, I have with with that whole thing is I have very little sympathy for Raithen because he's the one who empowered him in the first place. Yeah. It's like, you yeah. set this up. I mean, so what, um, did, you, what did you think was going to happen? So I... I see where you're coming from, and I partially agree with you there, but I... He's I a loose cannon. I agree, because it... At, you know, as we reach the end of part one, it becomes very clear that Diloph manipulated Rathen this whole yeah. time. Yeah. Like he, yeah. He, he did the same thing to Rathen that Serini did to Aedon. Yeah. He yeah. came kind of off led you purposely along. as, like, yep. you know, one-dimensional... So is he really quite shrewd? Inconsequential. Well, he obviously is. He, yeah. I mean, there's the scene where... where Prathen's like, all right, I'm going to send you back to Fjordan to get you out of my hair. And then he mm. realizes he's been completely outmaneuvered because yep. Diloph has made every important person in the chapel an Odiv. Okay, so we've we've gotten to that. That was my next question for, yes. for Jared. I was going to ask exactly where he is regarding uh, Diloph because I didn't read up to that point. Yeah. Um, but we've gotten to the point where Diloph, you start to sense his kind of subtle, um, I don't know what you want to call it. He's like a like like his his influencing and his his personal circle is widening and stuff like that. He's, he's You're just starting to get hints of it. He is absolutely manipulated. You're right. So, it's it, and and like at first when when you start seeing him like oh he jumps into the sermon without uh you know permission or something like that. Yeah. It's like, oh well, Rathen, this is his fault for for setting him up and and like giving him that like just going along with it after the first time. And then it's like, yep. he's going to burn the Elantrian and you're like, Oh, well, of course this was going to happen. You enabled him. But then yeah. you, 
as it goes on, you realize, wait a second, like, maybe officially he enabled him, but he, he set, Diloph set everything up. Diloph is yeah, playing did. freaking chess. And, and you start to take him more seriously, don't yeah. you, Diloph? And, and Rathen doesn't even realize he's sitting at the game board. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. It, it like like Prathen is so like not that he's like a bad chess player so to speak, but he's so focused on uh, dealing with the nobles and Serini that he doesn't even realize that there's this whole bigger game happening. And that really shows just how manipulative and clever Dilaf is because he knows exactly what his target is going to focus on and he lets him focus on that. He mm -hmm. works Graythen's mm -hmm. whole perspective around his end goal. And that's really why Dilaf is... I mean, I, I might take back what I said a few minutes ago. Dilaf is a really good narrative device. Yeah, yeah, say. he's a good narrative really device. Um, I, I, yeah, I take that back because not being able to spoil anything near the end... Um, you can see why he is who he is. And that's that's what I really like. Sure. About a lot, sure. Not just Diloph, but all of Brandon Sanderson's characters. Well, with certain exceptions. There's certain characters who I will just never, ever like. Should we list a few of them just, 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 to, just to piss do, do, people do off? Do we want to? Do we want to... Do we, do we want to alienate our audience in the first episode? Yeah, no, let, let, let's hold off on, on hating on the Lopin yeah, for now. We'll, let's, yeah, let's wait we'll, until we'll, later. We'll hold the hate until we get to Stormlight and Era 2. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, that's a good point, that's a good point. Uh, I agree, I agree. Um, so, uh, what else are we going to talk about? Now, so, I mean, the launchers. Go ahead. So I was just going to say, so this is basically half of what leads to Raythan's, I guess you would call it depression at the end of part one. Absolutely. And... I mean, <laughs> I don't want to get too speculative and have you guys ruin things for me, but... No, no, I, so please speculate. Well, so, so, yeah, so one of the things I to... really want to do before we end this episode, you know, at some point, is, like, get yeah. your predictions for the second half of this book. That's awesome. I, I didn't consider that. We should definitely do that. Um, but but before we get to just <laughs> predictions, like, I, I wanted to just bring up kind of a general thing, like, how do we feel about the writing in this book? Okay. Yeah, so okay. Rob and I are both writers. Jared has dabbled a bit himself. Occasionally, you know. yeah. Um, Drew more so than myself, but uh, I dabble a little and, bit. And this is Brandon's first book. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's his first published book. Well, yeah, yeah. It's just, first just, just to be that seventh, guy. Seventh book or, or... Yeah, it's sixth. Um, if I, just, I can just hear a whole bunch of really hardcore fans that might happen to stumble upon this someday going, no, no, but, it's but even sixth. Then, you know, this was his first book that, like... First published got, book, yeah. Like, real editorial feedback yeah you know was this where Mo where he met Moshe Fetter or was this was that after yeah, um yeah Moshe uh he he signed Brandon I believe on the strength of white sand but they okay. decided that it, like it needed a lot of work and Brandon was like well I have Elantris as well I would have to like double check but I, I I'm pretty sure like he queried multiple books right right and Dragonsteel was the other one yeah. And, uh, he, and, didn't and he write Aether of Night before this too? But that was just cannibalized. Uh, Aether for... of Night came after. Aether of Night was that written was written after. after. Yeah, really, that was written after mm -hmm. Mistborn. Because I'm pretty sure. No, he... not after Mistborn, but after. Oh, Elantris, Mistborn was directly after Elantris, though. So it? Aether of Night was when he was like really solidifying uh, the Cosmere as like a unifying idea. Okay. Um, there's okay. there's a cool introduction if you if you go on seventeenshard.com and make an account, you can go to the Aether of Night discussion board. And there's a, a thread where you can request the unedited, you know, I think it's like the third draft manuscript of Ether of Night. And it comes with an that. introduction from Brandon where he talks about where awesome. it fell into his, uh, you know. Anyway, anyway, back to Elantris. Oh, 17th Shard, yeah. Go yeah. So, um, it's his first published work. It's very clear to me, you know, between now, like Elantris now, and... Uh, 10 years later when Oathbringer comes out. Brandon yep. has progressed greatly as a writer. Oh, yeah. It's a clear difference. <laughs> not not even yeah. just, like, with characters and plot structure and, and especially pacing, but with, like, line-by-line line prose. Yeah. There are several yeah. things in this book that stand out to me that, that like, really bug the, the inner writer. So, uh, like, you mean to say things that current Brandon Sanderson wouldn't write at his yeah, not, not so level much. of the, proficiency, if you will? There's there's a big one that keeps popping up, keep, keeps popping up. Where oh, I think I know where this is going. Can I, can I guess? Go for it. Are you going to talk about Maladroit? 
Uh, so, no, uh, I was going to bring up Maldred just kind of as a joke. Um, amusingly, Maldroid does show up a couple of times in the Ether of Night manuscript, too. Wait, wait, like, too? Maladroit? Maladroit, yeah. Maladroit. Like, like awkwardly. It, it means clumsily, like, yeah. gaining your balance against stuff like that. Like, like, awkwardly like, doing. It, like, 11 times in the first Mystery Oh, I never, I never and, counted. I honestly didn't even notice his, his use of, the, of Maladroit that many times until probably, like... Uh, uh, I want to say the hero of ages. And I was like, wait yeah. a sec. In, Some in, of these words are being repeated again and again. He like in, it was it was really bad in the final empire, and then he scaled it back a little in Well of Ascension, and and people. Well, it, it just, would be worse because Vin is still had, learning, right? Yeah. <laughs> at Sorry, that point, it had become a thing, and yeah. and if I mean he won't use it anymore. Like I guarantee he's never going to use that word in another book. But <laughs> I, I have found one use of Maladroit in Elantris. I found one so far too, and I made it. I made a note for it right away. Anyway, go on. You were gonna say something before that. Yeah. So the thing, the thing for me is, um, when he's using a like you know like a, a qualifier, like yeah, something is simpler, or something oh, is something... rarer, something like that. Yeah. He says more simple, more rare, more fast stuff like that instead of using the proper term. They're they're all really? over in this, and it, I had and it stands that. out to me a lot. Like but the now that you mentioned that, I'm probably going to notice it. Was, um, uh, Rayoda nodded and Kehar left. The man had come looking for a magical solution to his woes, but he had found an answer much more simple. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay, I, I see exactly. Now that you mention it, now watch. I'm going to read it now, and I'm, every single one of those is going to stick out. It's like, you. um, you know, when people Thanks, point it Drew. out, and then you're going to notice right. it all the time. Um, <laughs> it, it, and I just said, um. Is uh, that observation bias? <laughs> the is other that what thing, that is? What was that? Is that observation bias? Is that what that is? When you notice something and suddenly you, you look out for it and you can see it way, oh, way yeah, more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and another thing, and this this has remained throughout Brandon's books, and he has given more or less an explanation or an excuse for why it happens in you know anachronisms, words that feel out of place, modern words mm. for us that creep into a text that is yeah. largely more like, yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, awesome. Oh, my gosh, Lift is the worst with it. But, <laughs> Lift, um, yeah. But I noticed one in the final empire that really pissed me off. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Uh, so the one that I had highlighted here, um, when they're talking about um, uh, Casey, uh-huh. uh, you know, uh, Kion's daughter, who's a big, oh, she's yeah. like ravenous, wants to learn every language. And yeah. Luke she's the hungry is, one too, right? Is talking about her and says it only takes Casey a few hours to devour a book, and her language learning ability is unreal. <laughs> like unreal. Yeah, uh, kind of reaching for the top shelf on that one, there, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. But but so there are things like that that pop up just on a like a line by line prose basis. That in this book, it's a little clunkier. Whereas yeah, and it's to be he expected. clearly progresses, you know, moving through Mistborn and Warbreaker, and then especially into the Stormlight Archive and like Reckoners. And I'm I'm very excited to see how Skyward turns out, you know. Because yeah, I've read Skyward up to the currently released chapters, and, and I've got uh, predictions about that I want to make with you just at a different time. But um, because it's but yeah, you're right. He he keeps get better. getting better as a writer, and that's yeah. really encouraging. Oh yeah. So I mean, he still had a few moments in Elantris that were like, "Damn, that was a good line." You know, he he has that natural talent that shines through that 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 ability to deliver that one punch, that one line that mm -hmm. that hooks. Right? He's that's something I noticed right away about Brandon Sanderson. But like you like you were mentioning in Elantris, there are some certain things, some certain flaws that he had as a writer back then, or at least certain areas that he has improved upon that you can now notice it took him time to do um i think his sense of humor as, uh, is one that's gotten much his better sense of, yeah his sense of humor has gotten Still much better <laughs> with certain exceptions <laughs> there's certain characters once again that i hate yes, yes. another one just recently um <laughs> god i hate lift but um <laughs> lift's awful where was i going can we just say oh, that god. let's just yeah, all we, could, we could say you that. were mentioning you were mentioning certain things that that come up in like our language that wouldn't that just kind of seem out of place in yeah. an epic fantasy setting one of those that I noticed was uh, I accidentally said uh, the Final Empire before, but what I meant to say was Hero of Ages. When they're t when Vin is talking about what she's done with Ellen's uh, family and stuff like that, and what Ellen says is he refers to it as a homicidal hat trick. Oh yeah, hat -trick, term, I remember the term that. Hat trick. I was like, I remember seeing that, and as yeah. a Canadian, Do somebody they play who, hockey who just absorbs hockey through like, osmosis in every direction. Is they there, is there the room in the Final Empire for Scott? Yeah, I, like, I picked up on that, and I went, huh, you gotta have sports. Come on, that's yeah. 
But it's just you can tell that's a line. I think to me that I can, I can just see Brandon writing that line and saying that sounded pretty good. I think yeah. I'll I'll use that. I sounded yeah, good at least, yeah. right? Yeah, and it does sound kind of cool. It's it's funny. It's a funny line. But there there are certain moments where you can really pick out um, the fact that at least during this point when he was writing this, he was a new writer, right? They, yeah. Again, the Sanderson Avalanche more pronounced in this book than in any of his other books, in my opinion. Um, Except for but, maybe Well of Ascension. You're right, right. Well of Ascension was very, very slow until the end, wasn't it? Wait, it's more right. pronounced in Elantris? It's, it's actually it's more... there, yeah. Interesting. Oh, yeah, that's right. I uh, Once again, I forgot that he hasn't read the... Anyway. No, 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 that's a good more, It's more pronounced in Elantris. It'll, it gets... Oh, you did mention earlier, Drew, that it does white knuckle quite a bit near the end like the last like the last hundred pages in particular are very uh very fast paced oh but fantastic in its own way i think it's more effective when you compare it to the rest of the book like the end of elantris when i read that i was like holy crap i think in a way it made it stick out quite a bit absolutely more. i think it's one of his strongest endings but but again yeah. we'll get to that in the second episode <laughs> yeah we're not going to discuss uh details on that though no um but no on, on the on the aspect of his writing uh there was one yeah, more thing specifically there was a uh one more thing that that has stuck out to me uh and i i highlighted this line um uh where uh it's in rayoden's point of view and it's after uh Serini has started her widow's trial and is bringing food in okay and this is in his point of view it's not dialogue it's a narration it says the princess is trying to stop hunger but the people devour her food so fast that they end up feeling sick for a few hours, then starve for the rest of the day. And Elantrian's body doesn't work the same way as an ordinary person's. And I, I actually apologize. It is dialogue, not narration. I, I was. That's alright. That's alright. But he's talking to Galadon. Um, this is something that Galadon already knows. Mm-hmm. It is a kind of an awkward way for him to, like, show instead of tell. Yeah. But it still comes <laughs> yeah. across as telling because. It, it's it's in conversation, but it's Rayodan telling Galadon something Galadon already knows, just for the reader's benefit. Yeah, and there there have been several things throughout this part that I've noticed like that. Are that. Pretty it's, clearly, it's like that, that's not really subtle. Yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. It's kind of a moment that, in a way, draws you back and goes, "Okay, so that's how Brandon decided to answer this particular question that he could see people having." Yeah, right. Yeah. That's, am I understanding correctly? Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And you know, uh, and I'm being really critical right now of his writing. Of course, of course. <laughs> this is still a well-written book. Like I am obviously oh, yeah. a huge Brandon Sanderson fan. You know, he he does yeah. a lot of things really really well. I I will be on record as saying like the characters in this book are some of my favorite in the entire Cosmere. Uh Really? I've got one in particular. But other than that, Serini and Rathen, especially when they're interacting with each other, are just yes. delightful. They have like golden chemistry, don't they? Oh, yeah. Those, any scene with those two together is just like, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Right? I love it. I love approaching those scenes when I know they're happening. Yeah, that, that first yeah. scene on the wall when he's giving his little sermon and she does her, yeah. her stupid she just, girl act and, and totally yeah. derails it. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I I love that there's still these moments when I'm reading Elantris that I, I'm totally forgetting about, but I get them, I get to them and I'm like, Ooh, that's right. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah. Um, so we, we are, we uh, talk about? you know, kind of closing in on the end of our uh, time yep, frame yep. here. So are there any other things that you guys want to talk about? Uh, there was one moment, um, with Rathen that I want to talk about. I'm, and I'm 99.99% sure this happens in the first half when he, um, has a conversation if you will, with Wern, and he decides to commit a little bit of, or a spot of blasphemy when he does so. Via the Sion. Yeah, the Sion. The yeah. Sion, yeah, yeah. That stuck out against me, and I was like, oh, yeah, this guy, Raytheon, again, you just get another feel for, like, the whole dimension of his character. He's willing to do this because he's just that devoted. Again, I'm, I, I hesitate to use the word devoted in this particular yeah, yeah. case, but you could just feel how, I guess, desperate he is. And how, like, this is something that's hushed up. This is something that could really cause a storm if people were to, if, if the secret yeah. were to get out, right? So I like think it's, it's something that's emblematic of his instance, uh, not instance, I don't know why I use that word, his uh, particular case of lack of faith, but mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, this iron grip on servitude, where... 
using a Sion, he talks about, like, this is blasphemous. But yeah. Wern says it's okay, so, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know. Why is it okay? You know, and, and, and he like, justifies yeah. it by, like, the whole thing about how he learned uh, other languages, even though it's sort of blasphemy to learn them because he needs to convert people. And, and he, he justifies it yeah. and says, oh, it's okay to blaspheme as long as it's, you know, it, for the greater good of Jad. It opens up the possibility of acceptable blasphemy. It becomes right, destination right, right, before journey, if say. you will. Yeah. And, yeah. and so he, that's emblematic of him losing his faith. Where yeah. where he becomes goal oriented, and he does, and and it's he, he talks about it in terms of like logic and rationality and stuff. But yeah, I don't even ra- think it yeah. necessarily is logic. It's it's logical within the context of it, but it's mm-hmm. what it really is is an utter focus on servitude toward an end goal, and yeah. and faith is completely morals are completely taken out. Faith is completely taken out. He is holding on to this one lifeline. And that's all that's left for him. Yeah. Especially as Diloph is not only undermining him, but showing him this is what faith looks like in this yeah. context, in the context of this true, religion. True. Yeah. So, He's very much an ends justify the means. Like, like, could you imagine what Diloph would do if he walked in and saw him, like, pulling a Sion out yeah. of the box? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, in, in present company, like, Diloph is arguably the person who's closest to him at this point and Diloph is at the same time the worst person for this to to be revealed to yes is, exactly. isn't he like there's is there anybody worse than Diloph no there isn't um but um what else was I gonna say and all on the same subject that the fact that he's committing blasphemy uh, blasphemy sorry by using a Sion to contact Weirn there's another question that I I just I just thought of right now but I'm not gonna ask it right now because this is something for a later time for that we'll discuss in part two um but is there anything else in particular that you wanted to discuss about the first half of Elantris? Besides what I think is going to happen. Oh, that's right. We want to get, well, we want to get so, some predictions so I out have of Jared. One more true. Before, okay, before yeah. we do it. And Let's it's very knock that out. It's a Cosmere okay. thing. Uh, oh, yay. It's, it's like my other theory of like what we may have missed in, in this that has big Cosmere implications. It is in that yes. same building with the mural okay. leading yep. up to the shard pool. What the After the mural... That building? They enter yep. a room that is filled with books. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What Wait do a you think those books are about? Wait a second. Oh, hold on. Why? Okay. Why the is city there supposed a to be specific like room committing suicide? How is that book? Outside of the whole Aeon door section, on the path to the perpendicularity, I think that that book. Oh. That little book collection Ooh. there is is it's a bunch of very Cosmere-aware, realmatic knowledge. <laughs> of course. Well, we know that we know that the, there are other civilizations that were very realmatically aware, yes. don't we? Um, even even at the cur- at the well, present we, time we of we this narrative, which is at the beginning of the realmatically aware, because the the Iri are pre-Rio Delantrians. They are world hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't they just run uh, through the room and like, they, grab a book. Yeah, and how long before Elant- uh, Sorry, how long before the final empire does Elantris take place? Long, the- long time before Elantris is that as of much as of like currently. I knew it was before um, millennia. Current, yeah, like like about a thousand years. I, there is before an the final empire. What was that? Before the final empire, a thousand years before the final empire. It's so right around the time of Rashik's ascension, perhaps. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh. I'd have okay. to double check because we know the there ancient terrorist men. We do have words of Brandon that say the ancient terrorist men were also very realmatically yeah, the, aware, the world, right? So it'd be really awareness. interesting if the ancient terrorist men and the Iri were very realmatically aware at roughly the same exact time period. Wouldn't that be interesting? It would, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'd be. I definitely want to follow up on that sometime. Yeah, yeah. As as far as published books go, White Sand is the earliest in the timeline, then Elantris, and then there's a big jump, and then yeah, yeah Miss Era one. Yeah. And then Warbreaker, and then Shadows for Silence and the Force of Hell, and then we have Stormlight. I'm forgetting about that one. Yeah, yep. Stormlight, Stormlight takes Front Five. Yeah, and then Mistborn Era Two. In between, between Front Five and Back Five is Era yeah. Two. Yeah. Um, I just I wasn't aware it was that long before, like in between um the Final Empire and Elantris. I don't and think I, again that's the second thing I've learned number, today. But it is right. This probably isn't. Um, it's it good is a to long know, time. though. 
for future theory crafting. So if if that's everything we want to talk about right now, I want to get to Jared's predictions. Yeah, let's I'm, do it. I'm ravenous for for some of these because I like to make these about everything, and I definitely want to make these about future books at a later date. Oh yeah. So let's hear them, my man. Let's hear them. Well, first of all, I think it's pretty damn obvious that Wraithen isn't like dead or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, that's fair enough. Because Brandon very much. Uh, hides the contents of what's actually in this quote poison. Okay. So good. it's clearly some sort of potion that's doing something, but I don't think it's like killing him. What was the reason he drank it? Yep. It wasn't like um, a. It wasn't a suicidal desperation. It was kind of like a sacrifice the like, queen in a chess yeah. game kind of desperation. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, no. I have no idea what that could possibly be, though. Um, as far as Rayodin goes, like, I almost feel like it's one of those things where he, like, the, one of the first things I thought when he was going around Elantris was, like, he just needs to find a way to, like, turn on the power. Like, okay. you know, like, okay. find the circuit breaker, you know? So, what, do it, you, do you have any prediction about why the power got broken in the first place? <sighs> like, why the, the, uh, Ryod happened? Well, I mean, okay, it's something, it's something... It's very recent. It's very recent. Yeah, it happened ten like years ten, in 10 years, right? It's not something that's happened lost in memory, right? Right, so I mean, it's very, it's something to do with geography, but I don't really like, know what. Like, yeah, we, we know it, like, shook the land. And mm -hmm. because, and then another point that they make, like, in Galadin's uh, home base or whatever, all yeah. the books all have everything to do with geography. So... I just don't know what though. Maybe something with the river that's running under the city. There's a river under the city. Yeah, yeah. They use it. To I totally escape. forgot that detail. You know, they oh, oh yeah, yeah. When they were, that's Karata. how he went with uh, Karata yeah. to the uh, the palace, right? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I totally forgot that was a river. That's I don't know. Other predictions. I've always predicted that Rathen's going to kill Serene. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, how do you think that would happen, though? You think he would just snap and be like, that's it, this bitch dead? Or do you mean, like... <laughs> oh, it would very much be like a cover-up. Yeah, he covered up. He's a very subtle guy. Have her killed. Right? It would be yeah. a little you know about killing, not a you know about right. Jamie killing. <laughs> right. You know about his guilty conscience about his history with the Duladel Republic? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so, you know. Yeah, solid prediction, solid prediction. Um, Any other thoughts you want to throw? I think that's kind of it. All right. Well, we're going to have so much to talk about in the yeah, I mean, we, we definitely And will. then what I can definitely just take the shackles off and just, all right, let's discuss <laughs> this, you know? Um, is there anything else you want to mention today? So uh, do we want to go into the final draft? Oh, yeah. Let's definitely take a whack at the final and, draft. And so, That's something I so, want to get to. Uh, What's the final protocol draft here? Is, um, I actually forgot about this. As, this as we're awesome. recording okay. these episodes, the uh, each of us is imbibing a particular beverage. Um Yep. Whatever variety we want. Uh, and we're going to talk about, you know, a little about what we're drinking. And uh, and and I think it would be fun if we maybe wanted to decide to, like, tie it back to whatever book we're, we're reading. Like, uh, you oh, know, if, okay. if there's something in something with the, the type of drink, like maybe there's like a really, really like punchy scene. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to like have a scotch because I need something hard for this. Oh, or, or, you scotch. know, or like. Uh, but, I love my scotch. I mean, not that I have anything off the top of my head for this. I think this should be totally optional. But, um, but so we're we're gonna talk a little bit about what we're drinking. So let's start off with Jared here. Sure, I have a Jolly Russian. That kind of fits with the times, right? Uh, sure, there are lots of pirates in this in part one. <laughs> um, it's Odell Rio Kushthro. Russian Imperial Stout, aged Russian. in rum Ooh. barrels. Zdravstvo. Uh, it's very good. Is it? Coffee and cocoa. I didn't know Russians oak, made good spiced molasses and dried beer. fruit, and a little bit of vanilla, which I don't taste. I realize that sounds ignorant when you say that. Russians make good beer, eh? Yeah, apparently. Oh, oh, Russian Russian imp stouts are are. Because when I think of Russian, I think of I think of vodka, obviously. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, vodka. I definitely oh, don't man, think rum. Back to but, the, you know. Call of Duty days. I'm very partial yeah. to stouts, so don't be surprised if on yeah, I like a stout on uh, episodes I usually have a stout. Yeah. So Rob, oh, yeah. what do you have? 
I'm drinking, like I said, I was drinking a straight up Molson Canadian. I buy them at Tall Boys. I'm I got a, I got an easy, not too difficult to please palate as far as beer goes. Um, but I mean, I've had like for example, I've had Molson has this this micro brew out now called Molson M, I believe it's called. Um, oh my God, it's so good. It's like it goes down like water. It goes down so <laughs> That's well. That's dangerous. But yeah, um, yeah like uh, speaking again, I realize this is coming from a Canadian, right? Yeah. But just you can't go wrong with Molson Canadian. It's just it's just boom. It's perfect. You can go buy it. It's not like and and it just go to the beer store. Uh, you have beer store down there in Colorado, or is it just like a <laughs> liquor store that you go to? Oh yeah. Come on, no, I don't. I don't mean a beer store. I mean the beer store. What? It's oh, a chain. No. Oh, okay. That's what I was asking because we have one that's just called the beer store. Gotcha. You find it all over I love Canada. It. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that's exactly what I'm drinking for now. You just can't go wrong with a straight up Molson Canadian. Of course, I, I like to keep it out for like a half hour before I drink it. I don't know if that's sin to beer drinkers, but I can't drink it too cold. No, no, that's fair. I can't some, do, some beers I can't do are, that. It hurts my know. teeth. It bites too hard. I just I like to be able to gulp a beer. I don't sip beer ever. I don't. I don't know if that's a thing. I'll sip a scotch. I'll, I'll change oh, that definitely. when you come, I'll skip a, when you come down to Fort Collins and visit oh yeah? us. I'll sip a nice fucking yeah. uh, Glenfiddich Twelve. That's my favorite scotch. Um, just drink it neat. Splash of water. That's that's. Uh, I'm gonna. You know, I'm gonna go buy one of these after this. It's my birthday today, so I'm gonna go buy. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> one uh, of those. I meant to say this off the top, but I forgot. <laughs> Happy birthday, Rob. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. And oh, hey, look at that. It's 4:20 p.m. right now. Ha ha. <laughs> 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 nice, nice. <laughs> coincidence there but um, yeah so um yeah i'm gonna go buy scotch after this so i, I, I can't i can't uh, uh blame you at all for drinking a molson canadian the the inner hockey player in me uh, yeah says that that's a classic beer you know yeah it's uh that's good well, and meanwhile water. jared's over here almost like <laughs> falling over backwards on his chair apparently that well, jolly russian... had, how many jolly russians hey man it's Did you pregame a little before we started <laughs> yeah oh there you go the ABV is canadians are five percent yeah they're five percent i've had barrel. one and a half tall boys um but yeah so what i was drinking was a la folie from new belgium brewing which is a uh, yeah um Kind of is that a local brewery, New Belgium brewery? Yes, so it's Fort Collins, Colorado. Although they are one of the biggest microbreweries in America. This is something that I really had. By the way, as an aside, I'm really jealous of Drew about because he you have what 17 breweries in your hometown. I think we're up to 26. Something like that. I'm, Holy I'm crap! Time. That's amazing. Yeah, no, like, they're, they're I'm going to come more... visit sometime, clearly, and we are going to make a day or two or five oh, yes. of it, right? Oh no, definitely. Yeah. There, I think I think Four Collins was just overtaken. Actually, I don't remember where it was, but we're now second in the United States in uh, breweries per capita. Damn. So, yeah, there's Damn. a lot of really good craft beer here. Anyway, so La Folie, it's um, it's a sour brown ale from New Belgium, uh, oak aged. Uh, this beer though is specifically like kind of a big deal in just kind of craft beer history because it was the first commercially widely distributed sour ale in the united states what does that mean a sour ale where does that rank on on like the ale to like light beers like there's a there's a spectrum right it starts you know stouts at the or near the very bottom right it's a very dark roast kind of beer so, like is there a spectrum because i'm sure I'm, I'm sure i'm showing my my ignorance on beer at this point but the spectrum like in that sense on me. Is, is a little reductive um it, it's more just like the fr flavor profile like it is sour okay. it's it's not like a super heavy body like a stout um right but it's dark in color you know it's a, it's a brown ale um but it's it's super tart you're gonna get a lot of like cherry flavor a lot of the oakiness from the barrel in there um it's delicious <laughs> but delicious. but this this beer more or less is the reason why we have sour beers in north america now why they're such I a wonder... big deal I wonder where that is sold, and if that's something I could buy in Canada, or is it is that sold specifically locally? Do you know? No, it's it's sold all over the U.S. I know. I don't know if it's in Canada. It wouldn't mm. surprise me. Though. I know New Belgium distributes internationally because they Belgium. have like I'm Fat Tire and Easy mm -hmm. Street in Ireland. The last time I was out there, so I am opening the note on my phone. I'm gonna write that down. New Belgium. What was the name of that beer? Here, look at the, uh, um, the the camera. La Folie. Perfect. French. I like it. They speak a lot of French in Belgium. 
At yes. least I think. Yes, they do. I don't want to. Oh, okay, <laughs> I, I got me worried for a second there. Okay, I, 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 the word I was coming across as incredibly <laughs> ignorant. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, is there anything else you want to discuss, or should we 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 pop this baby off? Like we're at, I think we're at. Let's see here. I'm at 109. An hour and nine minutes. Is this like a like a rough the structure? This is something we're going to continue going forward. Yeah, I think this an, first an hour is probably pretty good. Now it sounds so, pretty good. So yeah, yeah, we'll probably stick to around that. Some books may go longer. You know, when we're doing yeah. like. Words of Radiance and Oathbringer and yeah, yeah. Maybe well, some we'll, Wheel of I think we'll books. just be splitting those into more, mul like, more multiple. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, we'll multiple do multiple we'll parts, right? More than two episodes for <laughs> for a four hundred and sixty thousand word book. Yeah, because <laughs> Elantris. We're is, finishing is, one. We'll probably. How many is Elantris? Elantris is like two hundred and fifty thousand. I think it's just a over two hundred. Like I'd have to. Yeah, check. and we're we're doing two parts for that. Um, like I'm assuming like. Later when we get to a Wheel of Time books will be exactly. two or three parts apiece. Yeah. Stormlight might be even like four or five if you want to go part by part, which is something with that we might want to consider. Yeah, we could. Um, I demand that books. I'm on the Wheel of Time ones. Yeah, you will. Oh, be. absolutely. I definitely <laughs> no, we, want to get have, Jared back. We have some big plans for the Wheel of Time. Uh, we're yeah, not we going to go into that now. Uh, let's not let's not reveal it, but we have something pretty special yeah. that we have in mind that yeah. we want to try. So. so. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that's a, a, a wrap for our first episode. So uh, All right. the next time we'll be covering uh, parts two and three of Elantris and closing that book out. And Jared will be mm -hmm. back for that. So uh, yep. thanks everybody for listening. Absolutely. All right. Awesome. Bye. 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 Peace.